যেদিন হিন্দু মুসলমান বৌদ্ধ খ্রিস্টান ওগো জাতি গোত্র নাহিরবে এমন সমাজ কবে গোসে জন হবে Hello everybody, welcome to the 8th episode of the podcast Material Analysis. Uh, my name is Bela and if you were listening to us, we were, uh, we were having a, a great episode, part 1 of the episode, the Gentoo Society, where we discussed... Um, we discussed the big buzzword hinduism um before we get started with part 2 and i'll tell you a little bit about what you can expect but uh please like share and subscribe to our podcast on soundcloud and on twitter find us on twitter at analysispod uh give us your feedback your thoughts your comments dm us if you're if you're not comfortable putting it out there uh but please uh, find all your leftist friends and and share what we're doing so today we are resuming the conversation we were having with uh, comrades chandu comrade pramod comrade pinky and myself uh, on the gentoo society or or hinduism we we last ended on the the sort of big uh, elephant in the room if you will of of um, of the muslim other uh and the fact that so much about what it means to identify as hindu today is tied in with uh with with hating or rejecting or you know fearing the muslim other and islamophobia has become really a very rampant way both in in understanding the materiality of of um of how religion is operating so it seems like hindus are are afraid of sort of the material rea- the material potential that the muslim other has but certainly there's a very sort of discursive element to this as well where so much uh, so much conversation uh, you know circles around uh, myths and caricatures and stereotypes and and so uh, the left has had some history of of handling identity as a discourse but has never really sort of uh, has not come around to grappling with it now quite as seriously uh, and so we want to take the islamophobia question a little bit more seriously in in this particular episode um and and hopefully uh, have have some some meaty conversation on uh, no pun intended on on what that entails so comrade pramod i think you wanted to talk a little bit um, about this would you like to say something i mean like coming from that question there is a i mean like coming from bengal again i mean uh, it's like there's a seated anxiety i mean like you know when you work through all of this i mean even like when you're thinking about what can we are fundamentally ignoring one aspect of the hindu identity is that it is it does exist in fundamental opposition in india and yeah. also in pakistan and bangladesh to what is the to the muslim identity the right you no know, there has been a certain major historical event that has shaped the subcontinent into three republics mm-hmm. which cannot be undone at, mm-hmm. at least at this point it cannot be undone and uh, that does give a big print on the minds of pe- people that cannot also be ignored and to that end there is a certain kind of i mean like you know we are talking a lot about you know what is the space for lower caste movements within uh, in you know this hindu fold etc there have been articulations of this in bengal as well mm-hmm. once the mutwa mahasang however if you actually go and but the 
people who actually do the motwa mahasang also have a very dark history with communalism mm. okay. the point here is that ultimately the thing is that this deep rooted uh, issue of partition and the fact that you know even if you even say even at 194 in during the 1930s and 1940s you were not identifying as you know, a lot of these schedule cast um, uh, for instance a lot of the schedule cast federation did say that they did not want to be clubbed in as hindus at that point of time with the caste hindus at that point of time after partition where do you go the suddenly yeah, even if you right. don't want to be hindu you are hindu yeah, and yeah. in east pakistan same, same with the lingayats for example and other groups uh, i i mean yeah. like uh, I mean, like, if you are in East Pakistan and you are not a Muslim, you are a Hindu, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, there is obviously that famous uh, resignation letter written by Jogendranath Mondal, who was the head of the Schedule Caste Federation in Bengal mm-hmm. prior to partition. Uh, you know, the resignation letter where he resigned from the Law Ministry of Pakistan. So, I mean, there is that history as well. And how do you reconcile? And the yeah. important question here is, how do you reconcile that? You can't deal with this without dealing with. communalism and i want to make a small point here which might actually be like you guys might find it very naive or you may oppose you'll probably oppose it or whatever but um you know leftists keep dunking on liberals all the time but there is one aspect of liberal culture which i have always sort of low key supported and which a lot of people dunk on especially ambedkarites etc which is the so called ganga zam Ganga Jamuni Tehzeeb. Okay, so that's from basically. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like it's more of those of us who actually study anything, but yeah, true, okay. true, true. There are many reasons to dunk on that because it's not real, because it's fake, uh, because corny, whatever, right? But also, but civility even, discourse is overrated. But uh, but it's anyway. not. It's not overrated. Hey, I don't think civility discourse is overrated, and I think in a country like India. <laughs> with this kind of com- communalism you actually need movements which are genuinely sort of approaching it from a rapprochement issue from the original sin of the partition you know i'm truly yeah, conflicted so, about this i think let the comrade promote for special yeah, yeah, point yeah. and we can add to our, yeah, our conflicts to that <laughs> so one 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 interesting strain okay so one way of dealing with that has been to you know i mean like for instance uh, uh again in the partition state of west of bengal you have two different bengali nationalisms emerging from in bangladesh and in west bengal and uh, we know the problems with that uh, though that thing as well however there you know there have been attempts i mean within leftist political culture itself that because i know there is this tendency to think that leftists traditionally have not dealt with religion but there was actually one very famous uh, there were a famous, very prominent group of leftists who did and that was represented by muzaffar ahmed also popularly known as kaka babu in uh, mm-hmm. bengali communist circles uh, in fact alimuddin the building on alimuddin street is literally muzaffar ahmed bhavan and kaji nozrul islam who was a very good friend of him so, mm-hmm. and both of uh, nozrul in particular had this way of uh, you know this entire thing about reconciliation between hindus and muslims he borrowed on a lot of um, uh, fakiri traditions a lot of baul traditions a lot of traditional spirituality that existed both amongst the muslims and the hindus of bengal so that was an avenue that i mean like you know uh, the post Uh, partition left could have actually promoted 
but it yeah. did not for various reasons mm. uh, i don't think it's impossible to do so and you have to also understand that nozrul was basically writing at a time nozrul and muzaffar ahmed were basically operating within the time of peak communalism in right. bengal like <laughs> in the 1920s yeah. 1930s 1940s so uh i think it's definitely possible to construct this but it's a very very difficult task i mean i'm I not i'm not disagreeing it's difficult i'm saying it's necessary so uh, i mean like, yeah i mean like but if you actually but i i think it might be instructive to go back and see how they did it how they tried doing it how yeah. initially kind of tackled with these issues because these these issues of these ways of dealing with these problems have fallen by the wayside after partition where you know you right. see the right right cpi with and later the cpi with certain uh, factions in the, the soviet union etc and you know focusing on international yeah. alignments and addressing more domestic concerns there were also but i think that could be a useful way of approach yeah and i also with the points that you raised comrade chandu I've, i've been thinking because there's a part of me that very much inclines towards what you're saying is that we in india we don't have enough of civility actually right like we say civility discourse is overrated but like i don't the, think it's overrated i think that's a wrong statement materially speaking but yes yes we know but <laughs> but i also think that it's because the ugliness of the uh, of the hindutva discourse and some of the counter discourses with the constant trolling and stuff like i see why that seems so dead end and why a reproach thing seems generally to be the only way out but what also bothers me about that is that there are a lot of hindutva wadis who are really damn civil and like sweet and they will yes. talk for hours and hours and they will pull you into these end- Endless loops of conversation. Like there yes. are many. Yeah, like, of course, we, yeah, they are I going to weaponize that as well. In they fact, do, they do weaponize I, that. Right, and but we don't. That's that's what really surprises no, me. Is that the sure? So I, I mean, okay, you we don't. But then I sometimes genuinely feel like, okay, suppose I try to weaponize that and I sit down and talk to them. Don't I talk to them. Talk to the fencers. Like that's what I keep saying. That you think there are enough fencers? Oh, there are millions of fencers. There are. like india is a country of billions the point is that civility or what i would what i like to call more ambitiously socialist morality as a respect <laughs> of bourgeois morality is uh, what is going to hold us together like we we need some degree of non cynical um sort of decency you know not cynical Because, i agree i just don't know if non cynical translates to civil no, and there no, is it, only so much civility you can you can you can deploy in the face of rampant misogyny casteism and islamophobia and that me, agree, that, that agree, degree but, of civil discourse that, and and you i i don't know if you engage with enough hindutvadis but when i have the 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 speed with which the conversation generates into that with, I'm not saying <laughs> engage with card-carrying Hindu to others. I'm saying engage with the card-carrying Hindus, which are eighty percent of Indian. India. Yeah, but okay, you know, so, it's surprising so, how many fencers end up just being closet Hindu Tawadis. Yeah, I mean, within a second they'll turn around and surprise you. Like, I have okay, so many so people. We are. Do- we are okay, so 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 let's let's put it this way. Okay, so coming from a conversation I had recently. By recently, I mean today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. there is, there are these groups of people you know very civil by the way they'll agree with you on misogyny they'll agree with you on casteism and then there's this one thing where they'll absolutely turn back and you know get pretty vehement with you on and that will be islamophobia yes so right now i'm in a border district and uh, the thing, uh, uh, 
when you actually talk to them, they'll be like, okay, so, you know, I'm trying to tell them that, look, this district that we are in is, uh, used to be a Muslim majority district and that turned into a Hindu majority district uh, after, uh, you know, a while after partition, which resulted in violence on, you know, that, you know, you need to have some sort of reconciliation. And they're like, no, there's no need for reconciliation. This is ours, that is theirs. Mm. And, uh, you know, it, Quickly, you know, you can have civil conversation to a point. After that point, you know, I, there is really no engaging, you know, at some point you can't really engage with them on this because this is a very strongly held belief that some people have, right? That, you know, we were kicked out of our land. Now, you know, it's yes. justified if we kick other people out. And yes. if we see them, yeah. you know, gaining in strength or, you know, gaining social mobility, we are going to, you know, that is a threat to us. So, yeah. uh, and you also have to understand that, you know, this is not something which you can actually engage with them on because they also have a certain historical experience uh, that they're speaking from. Uh, you don't have to sympathize with that and I certainly don't, but you cannot really change that either. So, you know, yeah. uh, there, have, there has to be a different way of countering this than saying, okay, you know, let's engage in a polite discourse and you know we're going to reason yeah, this I'm, out I'm not I'm not saying that by the way there is a difference between weaponizing civility and using discourse politics and like let's keep that diff, like let, let, let's be very pointy about what we are talking about here reproachment doesn't necessarily mean that be nice to people and don't do anything else uh, reproachment means actually doing things which which make reproachment happen, building communities where like people come and talk to each other and that needs to be done. Yeah. So, uh, right. For instance, uh, in Bengal, one of the reasons why, you know, even in the aftermath of partition, you did not really have uh, strong right wing developing uh, in Bengal was due to the, uh, due to the communist movement, the land movement, the peasant yes. movement. Reproachment well, can be material. Like that's what I'm saying that Reproachment is not reproachment and reconciliation isn't necessarily limited to discourse. And no, of course, it shouldn't even be around discourse. And civility shouldn't just be around discourse. Civility yeah, no, goes but, much beyond but that. But no, but here is the here is the point. Is that there, you know, you had a certain uh, unity of different communities, mm-hmm. uh, different peasant groups, both Hindu and Muslim, on certain issues. However. Because at the same time, and that is fundamentally the problem of how do you approach rapprochement, right? Because one, you know, once that moment and that moment, I a moment that lasted for decades, by the way, subsided. It emerged that these tensions had, you know, these tensions between the communities have never been addressed. That we are Hindus, they are Muslims. Yes, we might be uniting for a common cause now, but at the same time, our differences exist. There is this history of uh, violence among us and we can never come together. So, when we, sometimes when people critique Ganga, Tamuni, Tezib or whatever, it is not necessarily because, you know, people think the idea is necessarily bad. It's because the idea is extremely naive in the sense that you're not recognizing the reality that, uh, you know, that this difference exists and this difference has, you know, so far our attempts at addressing and ameliorating these differences and working towards a constructive rapprochement have completely failed beyond a certain section. And right. by a certain section, I mean this progressive liberal uh, uh, leftist Ambedkarite section of society that we inhabit. 
Right, mm. and I was thinking of an example. So, a positive example of what you were saying, Comrade Chandu, of uh, a good community building. Like, I'm aware uh, that in Bengal there is an organization uh, called, uh, I think in English the name translates to Know Your Neighbor. And what they, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what they do is, and it's actually with the material intent because at first I was a little bit like, oh, this seems like weak liberal stuff, right? Because we've all been so primed in some ways to be civility discourse. Yeah, yeah. But I think that what they really try to do is bring uh, communities together, Hindus and Muslim community engagement, with a very realistic goal, which is that if the community ties are strong, then people are actually safer during times of religious tension and riots and things like that because people can actually help each other. You know, knowing knowing people makes a difference in terms of who you let into your home, who you protect, and all of that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I actually see a point to that. But like the the thing that also makes me feel very jittery is because I I think that that'll never attract the people who just don't want anything to do with Muslims in the first place. And those people proliferate at a massive, are proliferating yes, at a massive that's rate. True. So and, yeah. and that's why I'm like more urgency in like at this moment in history what I think the responsibility of the left in India is, is to try whatever. See, I don't think that I know the answer. Like, I don't know whether civility would work. It's like one web. I don't know whether weaponizing bhakti movements or weaponizing scripture or weaponizing whatever is going to work. But what I can see is that communalism is expanding really fast. By the way, Comrade Bela, you just mm-hmm. mentioned that thing, that really liberal movement of no a Muslim, whatever. And we were all dunking at it, right? Mm-hmm. Like we were all mocking it online all day. Ha ha ha, liberals. Mm-hmm. And then I had a conversation with a practicing Muslim friend of mine <laughs> who said that you are all arrogant asses. And I was like, why? She's like, you know, at this point, I'm so happy that somebody cares for us and you are then going on and saying, ha ha, this won't work. What do you know? Have you done anything which has engaged with Muslims, as Muslims? And I was mm. like, no, that's a good point. Like, sure, whatever. It's like weak-hearted or civility or just discourse and between liberals and very online and whatever. But the moment in the history we are facing now as a country, mm. I think we have to sort of stop critiquing so much and start devising methods and then see what works on the ground. Because... I think the time, like, we don't have the luxury of critique in in the very traditional French lefty sense. No, we don't. But I think what I what I wonder is, like, some Muslims feel protected and genuinely happy about the fact that, like, people no, just No, this want... person was, didn't feel protected or whatever. This person was actually much more cynical than me when it comes to politics. Okay, so they were more offended by your cynicism than by the... Yeah, they were like, somebody's <laughs> doing something, what if it works? Just yeah. no, okay. let them do it, right? One one thing is that, okay, so coming to KYN, which uh, Pinky was talking about, KYN basically started off as something, it started off with this incident where there was a case of housing discrimination against certain yeah. Muslim, um, uh, you know, prospective Muslim tenants. Yeah. And the issue is that, you know, while, you know, the kind of activism that, and I completely support it, I've, I mean, like, 100% whatever they're doing, I think is a good thing. Yeah, and no, and they have really good, good people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I. but the point is that... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the point is that, uh, you know, when you actually uh, talk to people, like, you know, the people I talk to today, yeah. who are extremely, you know, antagonistic towards the idea of Muslims coming into, quote-unquote, Hindu spaces. And yeah, the sheer idea of it. Yeah. 
then it's very difficult i mean like you know you have to think of other methods of doing this which you know and the thing is we're all looking for that that you know yeah. uh, you know we are all you know at, not to be dismissive of anything we're all actually trying to search for what is that one thing that you know if you if you if anyone has a solution i mean like if the listeners of this podcast have a solution yeah. please by yeah, all means sure. yeah, please please like, and you know it, what, it's uh, evident we don't know what we are talking about yeah. so if any of the listeners know yeah, something yeah. one of the things that i think has been particularly disconcerting is the glee with which people are embracing a hindu identity even when it's against their own interests right oh, yeah. i think Material. particularly of women um you know who are being weaponized oh. durga vahini and all of these sadhvis running for elections have you so seen on. that video of a woman who who sings jai shri ram that is like one of the scariest oh yes oh yes oh yes so yeah so women um obc scst caste adivasis um the speed and the sort of uh, visibility that they're getting in a, a certain their hindu identity has been concerning for us because we we see it i mean through the lens of a very left critique that they are literally voting and standing for something that is against their own interests um and and i i think the the easy the word the catchphrase that we like to use for the critique is that hindutva is a brahmanical project and everyone's kind of been red pilled or you know is being yeah. brainwashed into uh indoctrinated rather into into this mm. ideological uh in ideological society right now um what can we as leftists try to understand about how hindutva is using uh, is is anti brahmanical uh, ambedkarism or some version of that or strands of that at least going to be our best bet in countering that um are or or is a you know orthodox left sort of opposition to uh religious uh movements and sort of working towards material restructuring the only way how any any thoughts on how we're supposed to grapple with thing that is hindutva who wants to go so be i i'll have a crack at this yes uh, so essentially the thing is that uh, you know one thing you know when we talk about the red pilling discourse or the brainwashing discourse one thing ten to ignore is the fact that you know sometimes i think we are doing it out of an apprehension of saying that you know certain political choices that people are making are wrong and bad not mm-hmm. just because it uh, you know because they're victims of it but because you know they just stand for something that's awful mm-hmm. and i think this is generally true for how a lot of lower caste tribal groups have been um, you know aligning themselves with him uh, for instance uh, the hindutva is uh the hindutva are exploiting certain tensions that have already existed in society and i don't just mean religious tensions they're also exploiting certain caste tensions tensions mm-hmm. certain ex- ethnic tensions etc they do real politics localized yeah, yeah. right yes, go to an area they figure out who hates one, who one thing that is yeah. one thing that might be happening and i think that is a reality that even if it is not happening today it is a reality that i think people need to be prepared for is the possibility of the hindutva essentially in a manner of speaking democratizing mm-hmm. and that is something that i think we are not really prepared for when we are in but i think you know gradually what you're try- what you're going to be seeing uh, you know like okay if you look at the evolution of voting patterns for the bjp they have been you know up till a certain point of time they were almost exclusively upper caste of late the lower caste uh, support base for the bjp has been increasing and uh, you know it corresponds also to a 
uh, rise in the uh, you know you know the popularity of hindu nationalism in general amongst lower caste and tribal now this should be extremely concerning not just because you know it is about people voting or aligning with the politics that is against their interest but because it might very well be in their interest and it yeah, might exactly. be exactly and that is exactly what we are starting to see for instance in bengal that is kind of what we are starting to see be- exactly because uh, what to our audience is- we are not just a bengali podcast just clear like the <laughs> phrase in bengal we are trying to see has been repeated like 100 times already <laughs> but there are people from other parts of the country completely <laughs> completely your choice to get ge- geographically specific if you want to yes yeah yeah, bengal, yeah but, <laughs> yeah, but- for instance what is happening is that in uh, i mean like in the recent rigging of panchayat polls in 2018 uh, and you know the violence that accompanies uh, rural politics in west bengal the victims of this kind of politics have also been predominantly lower castes adivasis etc yeah. and gradually you are starting to see an uh, you know an alignment of certain predominantly rural constituencies with the bjp if you actually look at the vote voting patterns in uh, uh, this 2019 lok sabha election you will actually see that uh, it was not the main you know the urban bastion of calcutta that went to the right wing it was actually the rural uh, you know the adivasi dominated western uh, constituency the northern constituencies dominated by tea garden workers uh, certain uh, parts of uh, you know the refugee belt which went to the, again another part of west bengal that is dominated by scheduled caste uh, voters that went to the bjp yeah. and they're not going to the bjp because uh, you know this is just a cynical ploy they, they and you know when you actually go and talk to these people who are starting to align with the bjp they're starting to believe in that project i mean it's not you know it's not com- a complete wash okay so today in fact there was uh, bjp celebrations across nodia district for instance that uh, you know there were these new found bjp offices you can basically see that they're newly constructed and there were yeah. festivals festivities all across that and you are seeing people genuinely come forward and participated because they think it's in the best interest to I- align with this ideology yeah. now if you want to and that is the real danger that you know and you, you don't have to look at west bengal you can actually look at jharkhand that's happened in jharkhand already it's been happening in bisgar for a while and this is the reality that i think that in the coming years and the coming decades that we have to contend with that you know it, it's okay to say that hindutva is brahminical but for how long because once it starts democratizing once it starts coming yeah. to a greater mass suddenly and to me be, yes yeah. sorry <laughs> i what i was going to say uh, pramod was that to me the democratization of uh, hindutva does not necessarily mean it's getting non brahminical because i don't just see this as a question of who's following the sang but also what ideology they're espousing right and i right. think i actually am taking some hope from the way in which you framed this which is that people are aligning with hindutva because they see it as being in their interest which tells me it's not necessarily an ideological sort of affirmation so much as it is a real politic about this will strategically work for us at this moment oh, and we oh, should oh, adopt definitely it. but 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 comrade bella right uh, you have to make a distinction like a very sort of a dialectical dance of hindutva which is going on here when it is formed as a project mm-hmm. and by the way the 
the that project when it was formed is not the hindutva which is practiced today right so but the savarkarite hindutva the, the savarkarite was yeah. the mohan bhagwat that was a russian militarist totalist project it was not a brahmin project like savarkar was in his brain not imagining that oh you know what we want brahmin society but with guns he had a totalist militarist project in his head it was also very racist it was a very exclusionary project but his idea of hinduism was basically the colonial world the geographical one right the others folder one mm. now the point is that no matter what democratic or even fascist version of hindutva you have it will end up becoming brahmanical because of the way hindu society operates right now mm. i mean as we can say it could potentially be non brahmanical but right now it's pretty much a brahmanical society so okay. hindutva ends up becoming a brahmanical project and will remain a brahmanical project because it's also a supremacist project so if you are going to maintain that supremacy you are essentially going to solidify caste right however 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 that is not the point of it that is a side effect mm. so that is not what they are going for that is what happens when they realize that is what happens and they want to sort of weaponize other castes they try to do some you know welfare democratization uh, platitudes whatever to make the real politic happen that no no that's not who we are we are all here for the hindus now now the question to me which is interesting is how long can because again like i said they, they are also not trying to sort of radically change hinduism or hindu society so how long will this contradiction work there where on one hand they are trying to do this democratized real politic on mm-hmm. the other hand they have really no project to sort of revolutionarily restructure hinduism so mm-hmm. i think the the that interesting dialectic wherein they are not uh, uh, you know they they are descriptively casteist but they are not prescriptively casteist can we use that can we get mm. in and sort of sabotage that by creating a different hinduism i think i know what you're saying because you're saying that their main goal is to stay in power and expand their power and yes. the fa- the very fact that hindu supremacy is bound to be brahmanical by default is what makes the brahmanism perpetuate but that their most conscious and self aware agenda is not necessarily to perpetuate brahmanism itself right yeah. it mm-hmm. is the fact that as long as they keep staying in power they, they keep perpetuating brahmanism and because that's how they are thinking they have a weakness because they haven't figured out that caste is a weakness even for their movement because actually if you actually see how the bjp has evolved its position on caste and it has mm. evolved so from a position where it was extremely opposed to mandal yes. it has become a party that has sort of conceded those demands yes. and is and is now actually becoming a party of mandalization in many places like so, so we have to be fast is what i'm saying before mm. no, no, before I, they go no, the whole thing road thing that i mean like you know we can i mean it's easy to forget but the thing is that you know they sometimes do give in to caste demands like they yeah. you know, they're probably going to accept the demand in assam to uh, get rajbongshis and or thai homes recognized as scheduled tribes instead of obc uh, mm. the thing is that we have to i mean like you have one i mean like one thing that we have to be very cognizant of a reality that we have to be very cognizant of is that Uh, their ideology also evolves with the aim of keeping them in power yes and very much they yeah have, they have that flexibility and for what it's worth you would a lot of people would say that you know 
the declaration of a certain community as a scheduled tribe is probably the greatest separation from quote unquote caste hindu society that you can have mm. except that it's not as we are seeing that yeah. uh, you know when you are actually giving into demands by certain groups to say that reclassify as st Mm. and you know if you are actually talking to members of the, they are still identifying as hindus by the way they're not saying that we are no we are hindus but we are also scheduled tribes yeah, and right. that is i think a, a very you know a much more it's a very dangerous project and it's a project that is actually giving them dividends electoral yeah and, and i agree what, what bjp has realized is the bureaucratic nature of these distinctions and it has right. weaponized those no and i think right. what comrade pramod is saying that uh, i mean uh, comrade bela's optimism was that if we can prove to them if we can prove to um, uh, people who aren't upper caste who aren't uh, uh, yeah so people who who have who aren't assured of, the power yeah. Yes, if we can yeah. prove to them that it is not in their interest, then there's a way in which we can prevent them from joining. But I think what Comrade Pramod is saying is that the more ground the BJP concedes in order to show that they are flexible, the harder it becomes to convince them that it is not in their interest because certain things will be in their interest, right? Yeah. and i also think that the bjp really capitalizes on uh, and this might apply less to uh, people uh, schedule castes and tribes i can't believe i've started saying schedule castes oh my god oh my okay. god <laughs> <laughs> <Shut> uh, <up. laughs> uh, i think yeah this might apply less to those communities and more to those who are solidly but i think one thing that they capitalize on insanely well is the feeling that hinduism is under siege and that uh, there is a way in which uh, indian culture is being taken over by muslims by westernized people and that sense that we're losing what is truly indian about india which is the hindus uh, is yes. i think something that they yes. really capitalize well and it's so hard to defeat because even when you're talking about kyn right like you were saying how hard it is to um, like that neighborliness doesn't affect people who don't want to let muslims into their space in the first place i i think that even even beyond that there are people who are willing to let muslims into their space as individuals minute they feel like their neighborhood or their space is being taken over by muslims they suddenly want to regroup with hindus and uh, and what they might have been willing to do to let muslims into their space they don't want to do that anymore because they feel like they they suddenly get a sense of themselves as hindus and they don't want to be outnumbered and that is just something like i don't know what to do with yeah. that honestly yeah like you can look at the bjp campaign the the one of the biggest campaigns they actually have is demographic fear mongering i mean exactly. with the love jihad thing and there are like people who are the professors and all who are like forwarding that demographic fear mongering campaign like they right. yeah, yeah. were doing data science and god knows what well because yeah. also there is a very genuine material threat that they are presenting through the discourse which is yeah. that your land and your community are essentially being encroached by by these no, like, who don't follow like your religion don't care whether caste. you actually have hindu faith or not but yeah. we by the way this is an interesting analog to eco fascism like uh, so you have socialists who are like oh the world is going to end we need to do like you know dramatic shifts in economics to stop global warming and right. you have capitalists who are like nah, nah, nah market is fine market is going to help us right and there yes. is a eco fascist coming in and like you know what just let's kill all the migrants yeah, and yeah. and we are going to be fine so yeah. i think there there is an have, no you don't actually have to go that far tradition across uh, various kind of supremacists i mean if you read about uh, the reconstruction era in the united states I mean, like i'm right. sure some of you will be familiar with that essentially a lot of poor whites were mobilized on the basis that you know, the reconstruction uh, was you know 
I was making an analogy. I was not going that far. I was like making a pointed analogy, man. Like seriously. No, no. I mean, like I mean, like consider any superman. I mean, like even from the advent of Hindu communalism, like if you, uh, works by people like Ganendra Pandit India, etc. This has been a fundamental thing that ultimately, you know, the what is the real material threat that Muslims pose to the community, and it is a very material threat. that you know they're coming for your lands they're coming for your uh, houses they're temples. coming for temples yeah. for the temples food temples i mean like you know temple centrism as a discourse i mean like okay from the region i come from really the temple yeah, that's centrism. more like a south india thing isn't it i do think so because what what the, the narrative that comes is you know suddenly we can hear the 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 call to prayer where we yeah, have yeah, yeah. so that's that is there. one and the second is definitely the upsurge of temple building as a project that the sang has undertaken it's very visible in places in karnataka and andhra pradesh yeah, yeah. in a way that the, i have not seen different tactics at different places but the point is that it has It, what the song is saying, like if you want to talk, what is the song's vision? What the song is saying is that you know you could be lower caste or you couldn't even have Hindu faith, and that is fine. Yeah. But ultimately, we are the ones who are gonna protect you against yeah. these damned outsiders. Yeah. So that is what I meant when comparing them to eco-fascists. That right. right. The the other serves as a convenient. Outlet towards the anger, which should go towards structural issues. It's not think, even as noble in its pretensions. I feel like this one is just like pure self-serving. Like you know, it's like they make it a matter of your own survival. Even yeah, like yeah. I guess eco-fascism does that too. And I also think it doesn't even have to go to the threat of extermination. It's literally a threat of segregation. It's just yeah, saying no, no, no. you like, stay in your place and don't encroach right, on us. And Muslims are yeah. gonna replace you, and the Muslims are gonna exterminate you, and that right. all your daughters are going to get. Went to Muslims and love jihad and things yeah. like that. And I literally yes. remember, and this is like I remember this only so well because when uh, the Gujarat riots happened, I was really not very politically aware, and I didn't have a good understanding of how to frame things. But like, so certain memories are stuck in my head. Like only the way. I Maybe guess that's why. Maybe I feel like I should have been. Anyway, uh, but <laughs> kids these days are smart. Okay, but uh, but I remember like certain things have just stuck in my brain, and I remember that point of time asking certain people around me like, "What's going on? Why is everybody talking about this?" And I literally remember people. I, and I can't believe it to this day. Like people who just I don't associate with that kind of thing at all. Saying yeah, what happened might not have been good, but at least now it's going to show Muslims their place, and maybe they'll think twice before. And they see it as arrog. They see like Muslim existence as arrogance. They yeah. re- like it's it's not even always about the fact that they feel like they're going to lose land like that. I think that material threat is very much there, and it's what activates most of the violent movements. But just the sense that like yeah, how the dare Muslim they? existence yeah, is also a material yeah. reality, right? And, Muslim oh God, visibility, Muslim, you know, Muslim existence in exactly, your mid yeah, is material like reality. Really sends me to the core because I don't. Yeah, I, uh. like a lot of my own capitulations to what may be called like liberal modes of thoughts and etc. Because I think that the liberals have more of this right than the leftists. Like the leftists keep talking about material, material, material. But I think at the end of the day, there is this. pure xenophobia pure hatred yeah. there 
mm. you know which, which is beyond material interest so i i don't even know how to articulate this no, properly no i know what you mean i feel uh, like in the in the us a lot of a lot of the discourse is a little too much just about that like i feel like liberals in the us are always like hate 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 and they have no idea how to materially define hate but i think in india for example it's opposite, sometimes yeah. yeah sometimes he left us like talking about certain specifics but like some we just have like, to contend I, I don't with think that leftists really get it because they they are really think they haven't like really experienced that visceral hatred and yeah. I, i think a lot of people just don't get it like and their hatred is almost an inheritance it's almost like a, it's a hindu inheritance you know like you yeah i mean like i mean like you would have pretty leftist i mean like uh, what uh, pinky was saying like you would have pe- pretty leftist minded people who are like leftist committed leftists would never vote for the bjp back then yeah. would have told you things like you know oh you know the muslims are getting too big for their boots yeah. you know like, that red like, you know, and i don't yeah. believe that that also is tied in with the i mean the the leftist caricaturing of religious folks and religious yeah. beliefs generally yeah. i think bella <laughs> like summarize all the points we made okay. and like like give the audience a take away and also like let's uh, like let's exhort them to think about this and yeah. be like you know intelligent about this and not be like dismissive of religion like hey it is Christopher yes. Hitchens rocks. Uh, yes. The talking shocks. <laughs> uh, starting now. Okay. So, okay, I think this is a good point at which to end the podcast for today. Um, I don't know if we solved any problems or <laughs> provided any easy solutions, but I think one thing we can all take away, and I think we all agree here, is that um, we can't simply dismiss the question of what Hinduism is and who Hindus are and how these questions are constantly being worked upon by reactionary forces. Um, the project, maybe if you're somewhere on the left spectrum, is to really grapple with with uh, with the question of faith in India and what it represents. community and particularly how it's localized uh, politics manifest so i think uh, what i'm going to take from today at least is to to be aware all the times uh, to historicize um hindu communities to understand histories of violence histories of community building histories of resistance as well um and to realize why hinduism matters to people even if for instance like me you're not a believer um to make that effort to genuinely sort of build a community with folks um to never sort of you know uh, let let uh, xenophobia or casteism or misogyny slide but to grapple with you know what what kind of work and labor is required from us to actually confront mm-hmm. that does anyone want to add to that have i missed anything uh no i think you have covered all the major points i would like to you know uh like quote somebody at the end as the audience might get a takeaway point you know a lot of people sort of quote marx when they say religion is the opiate of the masses of course i was wondering but if they, people but they we would say that today <laughs> but they don't quote the next line yes that it is the heart of a heartless world yes what what that means is is that yes religion is the opiate of the masses yes i am irreligious and it is fine all of that is fine be your dawkins fan dear audience member if you want to don't but be a dawkins fan don't be a dawkins no, fan don't. actually <laughs> no. but but be an atheist fine whatever but don't think that people are faithful and in india's case most of the faithful are hindus but they are hindus just because they are all like delusional or something like post colonial yeah. subjects <laughs> you know mm-hmm. there there are actual reasons material reasons why faith exists right and if you are a 
progressive of any sort whether you are a marxist or an ambedkarite or just a vague leftist or even a liberal you have to sort of deal with it and not deal with it in a sort of a cynical gotcha point sort of way where you think that i will yeah. get victory by using this twist this and manipulate that but you have to sincerely deal with people figure out why are they faithful mm. and what can you do to make that reality more egalitarian or okay. more just or some or 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 just less oppressive in any small way yeah and i'd like to add to that too by saying that i know that the reason that some some leftist and progressive friends of mine are very sympathetic towards religions other than hinduism and like very dismissive of hinduism is because at least in india you know hinduism is the majority and other religions is the minority so they see it as only fair and i i do get that but i also think that if the only reason you're sympathetic to religion is because it's a minority i also don't think that you are really giving the members of that community like due dignity because i think that if you are sympathetic at all to believers it's because you you believe in people's need in some way for faith or for that kind of community and if that is a, a core of humanity that you are not willing to do with altogether i think we need to we need to recognize that across the board and not just because religion is a minority so yeah right agreed excellent points all of you um for everyone listening to us please follow us leave us comments on the soundcloud uh, page please follow us on twitter we are at analysis pod uh, i am bela here with chandu pinky and pramod and uh, this was a really fruitful if if long podcast for us so we look forward to hearing what you have to say we, we hope again. that we have not offended any believer out there offended any oh god like hindu out there like, instead oh we god. challenge yeah we ask you to challenge what you and see if you we can actually expand on that and some sincere more. people so but we are but we also like deconstructing things and taking them yeah, apart yes. so if you have ideas which are above and beyond what we have talked about on how to perhaps how to do rapprochement or how to build structures which are more just in 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 within faith or or even without faith right. please uh, tweet to us write as comments to our soundcloud um, etc yes we we're always glad to hear from feedback from some of our listeners so thank you for listening and uh, have a good week ahead read eat be merry Bye-bye. bye bye bye